0: tonight. Lord, receive our worship tonight. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. The Lord is so good. I don't know if you really have ever thought about it or not. There are over two billion Christians in the world, but a very small percentage of them believe that there's only one God. To believe, to know that there's only one God is such an incredible blessing. If God ever revealed that to you, cherish it, love it, nourish yourself with it every day. Lord is good. I greet you tonight in the name of Jesus. Appreciate everyone that's here. Pray that uh, your Thursday night will be well spent. You will be well rewarded for your faithfulness. Attending the House of God Saturday is a ladies meeting, 1030. Here at the church there will be food fellowship. Bring a coffee mug with two prayer requests you don't drink coffee, bring a tea mug. If you don't drink tea, just bring a mug. If your husband's the mug, find another one. Bring that. Lord, it's good. I have good news. Sister Taylor was just telling me I did not know it was suspected that Sister Nancy had cancer. They have determined she does not have cancer. What a miracle and what a blessing that is. We thank God so much for that. Uh, like our ushers to come. A lot of needs tonight. We need for the Lord to bless what we give. We're giving substance. And we're going to talk about a little bit about substance in a few minutes. We need God to bless the substance that we give. And, of course, the heart and hands from which it comes. Uh, we don't want to just uh, suppose God accepts anything we give him. As husbands, we're very careful. We know our wives do not just accept anything we give them. That's why we stop giving them things. Thank God for gift cards. He saved many of our marriages. <laughs> so let's pray together right now Jesus We love you, we thank you for the privilege of being in the house of God tonight Thank you for the opportunity to give You have blessed us with the ability to give And now we do so, we ask you to bless what we present to you in this offering Touch every heart, mind, soul Touch the sick in Jesus' name Everybody said amen
1: night, and day Let
0: God. Everybody say praise the Lord. Amen, amen, amen. Thank you, Jesus. Amos chapter 3, one verse of scripture, verse 3. Can two walk together except they be agreed? It's a good question, isn't it? We all have different gates. When my wife and I walk together, I have to change my gait so that we can walk together. It's easier for me to change my gait than it is for her to change her gait and keep up with me. When I was in high school in uh, field and track, my natural running gait qualified me to be on a long distance runner. It was just natural for me, and I could run for Almost endless, and never get tired and never get out of breath. Just thing is they shouldn 't like running so you know the uh, the cross country team, uh, after football practice, when the sun was going down, you could still see their silhouettes going across the hill. They were still running you know to get in shape so the the gait and the cadence is very, 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 very important, and uh, so Amos proposed to us. A question, can two walk together, I suppose we could say could two run together, Uh, except they be agreed, and obviously the answer is no, but there's more to the story than meets the eye, so you may be seated. We taught two messages uh, not long ago on the rhythm of agreement, and it seemed to resonate, pardon the pun, so well with those who were present that several people have asked me if we were going to speak on this again, and uh, I actually planned on uh, talking to you about the rhythm of agreement last Thursday, um, but the Holy Ghost would not let me instead directed me to speak about birthing a ministry. Tonight, we're going to go a little bit deeper into the aspect of agreement. Uh, and our approach is going to be a little less cerebral than it was in Lesson 1 and 2, or Message 1 and 2. But I have to reiterate some things so that we are abreast of the direction that we're going in, such as in Part 1 we said the importance of agreement and what agreement produces in and through the body of Christ is indisputable. Some of you recall a number of years ago when Brother Tecla was the director of the Apostolic Church in Ethiopia, he said what brought revival there to where 50, 60, 70,000 people were receiving the Holy Ghost at a setting in one service, uh, he said was they prayed endlessly for unity. So the benefit of unity and agreement uh, to the work of God is absolutely indisputable. Divine agreement is more than mere consensus, uh, and it far exceeds the consent of a majority. Establishing the divine rhythm of agreement within the body of Christ is vital. It is absolutely essential to the function, to the message, and to the mission of the Apostolic Church. If we could somehow discover the divine rhythm of agreement, there would be an explosion in this church. No, I'm going to say there will be an explosion in this church when we discover the divine rhythm of agreement. It would be equivalent to the power that is uh, uh, released when a rocket explodes off of a launch pad and the power of those engines propelling that rocket through the thick atmosphere and all the way into uh, orbit. What it would do for our church would be nothing less than phenomenal. If we could find the rhythm of agreement. I've always been infatuated with percussion instruments. Uh, When I was in high school and would go to school, dances and things, I would just sit there and watch the drummer I had uh, three friends. They had had their own band. Uh, I knew the lead singer, guitar player, the drummer, and I used to watch the the drummer. It it just fascinates me. Rhythm fascinates me. I've never been to one of those things where the Blue Man Group does their thing, but that stuff just fascinates me because I love percussion. I watched the percussionist at camp, the guy that's up there on, you know, I just love watching that guy and admire what he is able to do. And Sister Ashley, what you're able to do on – both sets of drums and stuff, it is a fascinating thing. So the rhythm of agreement is such a powerful thing that it would release God in our church to do things that are beyond our imagination. In its absence, however, it takes all of our energy just to survive. In the absence of that rhythm, of that divine essence of unity and agreement, uh, our spiritual vitality is depleted and, and as we just try to sustain what we have. In the absence of the divine rhythm of agreement, our focus centers more on maintenance instead of growth and more on existing instead of thriving. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, in the 10th verse, he says, Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that ye all speak the same thing and that there be no divisions among you, but that ye be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. What I call this is the trifecta of agreement. Talk about being in rhythm. Talk about a cadence of agreement. Talk about. Uh, what God can perform when God's people will get together. This is the trifecta of agreement, that we would all speak the same thing. If that was the only thing that Paul said there, we would have uh, a challenge before us. Oh, come on, church, don't leave me hanging up here tonight. We can't agree on the color of the walls in the sanctuary, much less all speak the same thing. I want you to understand what the rhythm of agreement is. This is not just me having my way or you having your way. It's God having his way. And so that we would all speak the same thing, not only when we're together. See, we'll agree on things when we're together, but when we're not together, we we have our own opinion about things. But when those opinions merge and we all speak the same thing, that's the divine rhythm of agreement. But Paul didn't stop there. He said that there would be no divisions among you. And he didn't even stop there. He said that ye would be perfectly, perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. It should be noted here that he wrote this uh, to all churches. It was the Corinthian church. If he had written this to the, to the uh, church in Ephesus or the church in Philippi or Galatia or anywhere else, but to, to the church in Corinth, you've got to be kidding me. Because the church in Corinth was a mess. It was a virtual mess. It was in disarray. There were four different factions that were vying for power and position within that church. Some said, we're a Paul. Some said, I'm a Cephas. Well, I'm of Apollos and so on. There were factions and there was division. There were schisms that were operating and exerting themselves in that church. The whole body of the Corinthian church was perforated by contention and and by division. And yet Paul wrote that to them. If Paul thought and believed that it's possible for them to attain that, if it's possible for Corinth to attain this, then it's within our reach as well. And it's possible for us to attain it as well. I know it's a rather ambitious goal, but if Paul believed it for them, we ought to believe that it's possible for us to attain the same thing. And so it goes without saying that every apostolic congregation should at least desire and pursue the same level of unity and agreement. Say so that's that's that really is uh, defies defies reason. I know it does. It's supernatural. Ladies and gentlemen, it is supernatural. It is much about the miraculous as it is people getting healed, the lame walking, the blind seeing people receiving the Holy Ghost. I'm talking about something that is supernatural. It's an essence of the spirit of God, and yet God can perform it among his people. I think it's important to explain at this point why we chose our text, because I think it lays out uh, a very important ingredient uh, for us to consider in our subject tonight. Amos chapter 3, I'm going to read verses 1 and 2 now. Hear this word that the Lord has spoken against you, O children of Israel, against the whole family which I brought up from the land of Egypt, saying, You only have I known of all the families of the earth. Therefore, I will punish you for all your iniquities. And then here is this verse that's quoted so often can two walk together except they be agreed and we have used this verse as I'm using it tonight out of context but I want to put it in its proper place and proper context tonight and yet show you how it applies in what we're speaking to you about here tonight Amos was not addressing rather uh, two Jewish people could walk together except they be agreed he wasn't talking about the ability to of the Hebrew people walking together in agreement. He wasn't addressing the agreement or unity of the nation of Israel at all. He was actually referring to God who was attempting to walk with Israel. He was trying to walk with them and lead them and wanted them to keep pace with him. He was attempting to do that, and yet uh, it was That's why he said some harsh things in verses 1 and 2. The Hebrew word for walk is halak. Halak is a verb meaning to go. It means to come or it means to walk. It carries the basic idea of movement such as a flowing of a river or the descending of floods the crawling of beasts, the slithering of snakes, the blowing of wind, the tossing of the sea, and on and on and on it goes, which is a very strong... And firm indication that God never intended for his church to be stationary or static. If you study the history of Israel, they fared pretty well under the patriarchs, the nomadic tribes of Israel, until they went to Egypt and planted themselves. And once they plopped and stopped in Egypt, they stopped moving, they stopped growing, not, not, uh, not. Physically growing, they grew into millions of people, but they stopped growing spiritually and ended up in bondage and in slavery. The church has got to constantly be on the move, constantly moving, constantly going forward, accessing new territory, conquering. That's what the church was made for. It's what the church is built for. It's what God in church intends for the church to do, invading and taking new territory, invading and taking souls and and winning uh, back that which has been lost. I think that we would all agree that God never intended for us to just sit around and do nothing. We used to sing the song years ago, hold the fort for I am coming. It was a bad song, but I always reversed it. I always reversed it as if I am coming, hold the fort, because I am coming. That's the way I was saying that song. But it was meant to be hold the fort because God is coming. Hold on now. God's going to come and save us. No, we're not, we're not in a fort. We're not walled up here. We're not going to shut the doors and, and, and pull down the shutters and the blinds and kind of hold out until Jesus comes. Now, God never built us for that. He built us for war. He built us for prayer. He built us for evangelism. He built us a tread on serpents and scorpions. He made us for greater things, for more powerful things. Amen. But you can't do it by yourself. We can't do it alone. We need the body of Christ with us. And we can do anything. We can do anything. So I, I, I could elaborate on this more, but I want to go in a little bit different direction but the fact of the matter is that we are unable to walk together among ourselves. How will we ever walk together with God? I know a walk with God as an individual and a personal thing. You all have your individual walks with God. But when the body of Christ is together, perfectly joined together, God has a purpose for us operating and acting together in the work of God. We'll talk about that in, in a few minutes. In the 15th chapter of 1 Corinthians, Paul wrote to them about the resurrection. There was still a lot of uh, misconceptions about the resurrection. There were uh, probably Sadducees that had come into the kingdom of God. So there was a group of of people who had, uh, had repented, been baptized in Jesus' name, received the Holy Ghost, and so still contended with the fact that they believed there was no resurrection. How can you believe that? that Jesus rose from the dead, but not believing, I don't know, who knows, but they did, so Paul had to address that, and clarify uh, the truth about the resurrection, so he wrote the 15th chapter of Corinthians, one of the chapters anyway, to address this very important issue, he starts in verse 39, says all flesh is not the same flesh, but there's one kind of flesh of men, there's another of beasts, another of fishes, and of Uh, another of birds on the surface when we're looking at this you wonder what in the world does this have to do with uh, Attaining the divine rhythm of agreement, but you'll see how in just a few minutes if you just bear with me Verse 40 there are also celestial bodies and bodies terrestrial But the glory of the celestial is one And the glory of the terrestrial is another There is one glory of the sun another glory of the moon and another glory of the stars For one star differeth from another star in glory. So in Paul's Corinthian discourse here on the resurrection, he begins here laying a foundation. He first establishes the fact that in God's creation, there are celestial bodies and there are terrestrial bodies. And he will clarify that even further as we go along. So in verse 42, he says also, is the resurrection of the dead so also is the resurrection of the dead it is sown in corruption it is raised in incorruption it is sown in dishonor it is raised in glory it is sown in weakness it is raised in power it is sown a natural body it is raised a spiritual body there is a natural body and there is a spiritual body so within In the kingdom of God, uh, which is a spiritual entity, there is a natural component. Within the kingdom of God, which is a spiritual kingdom, an unseen kingdom, there is a natural component. Everybody say, I'm that natural component. Yes, yes you are. Verse 45, and so it is written, the first man, Adam, was made a living soul. The last Adam was made a quickening spirit. Howbeit, that was not first which is spiritual, but that which is natural, and afterward, that which is spiritual. Note that. We're going to come back to that, but I want you to note that. That was not first which is spiritual, but that which is natural, and afterward, that which is spiritual. The first man is of the earth, earthy the second man is the Lord from heaven as is the earthy such are they also that are earthy and as is the heavenly such are they also that are heavenly and what Paul does here while he's talking about the resurrection he exposes the dichotomy that exists within the church or within the body of Christ The body of Christ or the church in the earth, the kingdom of God, if you please, consists of both celestial bodies and terrestrial bodies. It consists of both of them. We have that. Paul said, We do not wrestle against flesh and blood. Flesh and blood is the terrestrial. We don't wrestle with that. We wrestle with principalities and powers, but we do so in a terrestrial body from the position of a terrestrial man and a terrestrial woman. Thankfully, we have power through the blood, the name of Jesus, the Holy Ghost, the Word of God, weapons of our warfare. They're not carnal but mighty through God. But we are terrestrial beings that wrestle and war against celestial powers and celestial entities. Now, we need to understand that if we're going to succeed, if we're going to have power with God and not get beat up all the time. First, 2 Corinthians Uh, chapter 4 and 7, but we have this treasure or this celestial power, this celestial entity in earthen vessels, which is the terrestrial, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. They came back rejoicing. Man, devils were subject unto us. Be careful now. Don't rejoice about that. If you're going to rejoice, rejoice that your names are written in the Lamb's book of life. You may beat up ten devils. That don't mean you're big and tough and strong. It means he is big and tough and strong. It doesn't mean that you're spiritual, that you're better than anybody else, or you're more powerful. It means that God is powerful. And we need to keep all of this into perspective in our walk with God and in our relationship with God and with one another. So he also wrote that the first man, Adam, was a living soul. He breathed in the breath of life into, into the body, and Adam became a living soul. He wasn't until the breath of God came into him. The last Adam, of course, which is Christ, was made a quickening spirit. And what this means is that when we pray or when we worship or when we minister the word of God or when we do anything that is related to the kingdom of God, we do so in a terrestrial body. We do so as terrestrial beings. We are the terrestrial component of the kingdom of God. God designed this thing. He said, Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you? The body is terrestrial. If you don't believe that, stay up all night and see how you feel tomorrow. So, the objective here is to connect. As terrestrial beings, as a terrestrial entity in the kingdom of God, we have to somehow connect with the celestial or with the Spirit of God. It is our desire every time we pray to breach that veil to pass from flesh into spirit, to begin to pray in the Holy Ghost, building up our most holy faith, to intercede into spirit, to speak with tongues, to groan and moan and travail so that God will bring forth supernatural results to our petitions and to our prayers. The triestral has to cross that bridge, pass through that veil, get beyond that humanity, get beyond that triestral body and reach the celestial power and presence of God. That is what prayer and worship does. I hope I I believe they do, but uh, the worship team—you understand the pressure that is on you to lead the people of God from the terrestrial atmosphere into the celestial atmosphere. Lead us out of the natural into the supernatural. What a challenge that that is! A song isn't enough. Music is not enough for that. There's no song written that can, that can magically transport us from the terrestrial to the celestial. But the, it can happen, but not sometimes by the means that we think it will. We rely on stuff that doesn't cut it, that doesn't do it, that doesn't get the job done, that is insufficient, And we wonder why we didn't break through today. Last Sunday, I was praying, praying, God, give us a breakthrough. Not what that means to me, not what that means to us, but what it means to you, God. Give us a breakthrough in the spirit. And so prayer, worship, uh, ministering the word of God, performing anything Uh, that is spiritually related comes with its own set of challenges. Uh, It's inappropriate for me to come to the pulpit and hope that I pray through while I'm speaking to you. Yeah. Hopefully it happened long before we stepped up here. So it presents its own set of challenges, but we're going to broaden the spectrum of that now. I need to review uh, several things that we said in previous messages on this, such as all things in our universe are constantly moving. It absolutely astounds me. I'm fascinated by things I will never understand, like quantum physics, quantum mechanics, theoretical physics, the, the, uh, the, the talk in the last uh, several years about the god particle it's just physicists atheists that will just not admit that there's a creator that created everything that just fascinates me but everything in our universe every every atom is vibrating constantly everything this pulpit is vibrating at a frequency the wood is vibrating at a frequency. The paint is vibrating at a frequency. The atoms in the carpet are vibrating at a, everything around you, everything in our world. The air that we breathe, the oxygen and in, in the carbon dioxide that we exhale, everything, every atom in the universe is vibrating at a particular frequency or it's oscillating. Even objects that appear to be stationary are not. They're in fact moving, constantly moving, uh, vibrating, oscillating, resonating at all kinds of various frequencies. Why do you think that, that they figured out how to send sound through the air and, and receive it somewhere in a device? Because they figured out that it's, it's just vibrating frequency. And once it goes, it will keep going. And if you just build something that can receive, and so they did. We don't understand it, but we, we're thankful for it, right? And so atoms are in a constant state of motion. We talked about atoms, and depending on the frequency of these atoms, things will appear as a solid, a liquid, or a gas. What, what's the difference between a solid, a liquid, or a gas? The difference is the frequency at which these atoms are vibrating, determines what they are to us, solid, liquid, or gas. An interesting phenomenon occurs, we talked about this, uh, that when different vibrating substances or processes come into proximity to one another, they will often start uh, after a time to vibrate at the same frequency. Somehow it takes place. It's called the phenomenon of spontaneous self-organization. Now God built this into the, to the natural world that he created. It is inconceivable to me that God would not permit the same process to take place when the people of God come together that we come together with all different kinds of frequencies going in all different directions, but all of a sudden we begin to flow together in the frequency of the Holy Ghost and move together and, and vibrate together at exactly the precise same exact frequency. And that's what a move of God is, ladies and gentlemen. How does God move when he's everywhere? If he's already everywhere, how does he move? That's how he moves. My frequencies. If you've ever felt the anointing of the Spirit on you, it's you changing your frequency to align with his frequency. Ooh, ha ha. ha. Hallelujah. When you're in prayer or worship and you begin to feel that anointing, you begin to feel that shift in your spirit moving from one realm into another, you know what's happening? You're changing the frequency of self into the frequency of God. You're beginning to vibrate at the same cadence and frequency of the Holy Ghost, and it is awesome. There's nothing like that in your entire life. And so this natural singularity and the means with which it is attained, I believe, will help us to better grasp the spiritual concept uh, of being in one mind and one accord. And I I, I don't know if I said this to you before or not, but the uh, disciples in the upper room attained the state of one mind and one accord before they received the Holy Ghost. It wasn't just the Holy Ghost in them. And then they were in one mind. No, they attained achieve that before the Holy Ghost was poured out in that upper room. And this natural singularity can exist among us every time that we're gathered together if we will begin to understand the process through which it takes place. It's not about me getting my way or having my way. It's not about you having your way. It's not about three uh, being the majority and and, and and raise a hand. No, it's about God having his way. When two or more worshipers come together into proximity to one another as they worship, they should begin to resonate. At the same frequency. Now, let me just mention that uh, it's not easy. It's not automatic. We all have different preferences for the songs we like the best. And so, if it's not a song that we prefer, we are not as spiritually aggressive. Yeah, go ahead, go ahead and admit it, because it's true. So we're not all on board. Leslie doesn't let me choose the songs. <laughs> I told my wife on the way to church, you know, we listen to the message all the time. It's on satellite radio in 88.7 Christian. They play the same songs in a loop over and over and there are hundreds of of Christian songs available, but they play those that are on the so-called chart. And so after a while, you can't even listen to Christian radio because it just becomes mundane and repetitious. And you can't listen to Glenn Beck and Fox News. You'll get depressed. (laughs) So you better learn to sing. That's all I can tell you. (laughs) Learn to whistle or something. You understand what I'm talking about, right? Um, When we apply all of this to what Paul taught Corinth about the diverse glories of the celestial and the terrestrial, the sun, moon, all that stuff, this is really what must occur when two or more terrestrial bodies come together. At some point, if, if we're really going to experience God, the celestial glory will have to be revealed in place of the terrestrial glory. At some point, if we're really going to experience the power of God, deliverance, healing, the supernatural, signs, wonders, miracles, the terrestrial body will have to mutually and simultaneously interact in complete agreement with the Spirit of God simultaneously and mutually. A large part of our worship service is trying to get everybody on board at the same time. Really, it's true. And I know it's challenging even in a pure worship setting where Holy Ghost-filled people are gathered together, but it's even more challenging when we are active doing other kingdom-related things. And speaking of the resurrection, Paul said that it is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. Years ago, you don't hear the, much anymore in the church about uh, uh, dancing in the spirit. It's impossible for you to dance in the spirit. You're in a body, for crying out loud. You dance, you might You might be enjoying the spirit, but you're dancing in the body. Our terminology doesn't really fully explain uh, the reality of some of the things that we do. That's why people that come in among us don't have a clue what we're talking about. Pray through. Pray what? Pray through what? We need to keep that in mind. But it's sown a natural body. It's raised a spiritual body. You clap with terrestrial hands you dance with terrestrial feet, you sing with a terrestrial mouth, you make a terrestrial sound, you lift terrestrial hands, but we're hoping that God will intercept this and there will be a transformation that will take place. So to understand how this applies to the rhythm of agreement, we have to defer to what Paul said next. And he said, that was not first which is spiritual, but that which is natural. And afterward, that which is spiritual. We, we, we dress our natural bodies. We drive natural cars. We walk on natural feet. We walk in a natural building. And at some point, we want to stop with all this natural stuff, and we want God to intervene. But something has to take place in order for God to do that. Something has to happen in order for God to manifest his celestial presence and power. The terrestrial has to get out of the way and be removed so that God can manifest his presence and his power. And I'm only speaking in a church or worship setting now. Everything begins in the natural and then proceeds to the spiritual. Everything begins in the natural and proceeds to the spiritual. Anybody here ever been to a professional football game? I'm trying to think if I have. I, I, I don't think I ever have. So I better put my hand down. Been to a baseball game. Been to a hockey game. That was a big mistake. <laughs> They're fighting everywhere. I mean, they were fighting everywhere on the way out to the. Um, but you, you go and sit down to you get your popcorn, your coke, your hot dog, and and you get ready for the game. Those players were there two hours before you ever got there. They were there for hours before you ever arrived. You see them out on the ice or out on the field or whatever. Um, they were there a long time before you ever before you ever drove in the parking lot, because they want to they want to function as a team. They want to win the game. You know, church starts at eleven o'clock, but God's spirit is not. Gonna, it's you know God doing it well. It's eleven o'clock. I guess I'm going to start moving now. Well, it's eleven o'clock. I'll start breathing on the church right. Now. <laughs> it starts early in the morning. Come on, if we want to move of God, it starts early in the morning. If we want to just have church, it starts at 11 o'clock. But if you want to move of God, if you want to see people saved and healed and set free and delivered, it starts early in the morning. You walk in the door, you walk in the door in the flesh, you already got that out of the way. You already dealt with that. Come on, are we apostolic or not? Do we really want what we say we want or don't we? We want God to be on our schedule. I'm sorry, He just isn't. He just refuses. And so, the process through which all this takes place is described by Paul. He says, We sow in corruption. We sow in corruption. You know, I, I can't tell you because I'd have to lie if I did that every time I go to prayer, I just I go right in the Spirit, speaking in tongues, oh, I'm blasting in the Holy Ghost. Three hours later, whew, thank you, Lord. That was nice. <clears throat> The Word of God talks about laboring in prayer. The natural has to approach God reverently, cautiously, prayerfully, thankfully, worshipfully, and break through things and and tear down walls. And sometimes it it takes a while to get there. And some days you don't even ever get there. You You see what I'm talking about? We sow in corruption. Paul's teaching us about the resurrection, but it's a reality of, of spiritual life. We sow a lot of things in corruption, this corruptible body, sweat and laboring, stomach hurting, we sow a lot of that, but we're going to reap in incorruption. We're going to reap things in the spirit. He said, we sow in dishonor, but we experience his glory. We sow in what? Weakness. But we experience his power. We sow a natural body. And then God must convert and transform it into a spiritual experience or into the supernatural. And Not only does this not occur without God, it's not, it does not occur through ceremony. It does not occur through ritualism. Not only does this not occur without God, it also cannot occur when there are competing frequencies in the body. If you want to know what I'm talking about, when you go home or in your car, turn your FM radio in between frequencies and listen to that on the way home. And I wonder if that's not what God hears sometimes from us. Competing frequencies, vying for position, my way or the highway. You know what I'm talking about. I want to be done by now, but I'm, I'm not, so we'll just keep going. <laughs> the kind of agreement that we're talking about and which has supernatural and divine implications is nothing to do with any one person or any two people or any ten people getting their way in order to be in perfect sync with the celestial or with the divine rhythm of the spirit every terrestrial body must begin vibrating at the same exact frequency as the holy ghost now i'll be done in just a few minutes but i have to tell you this i believe god has helped me to understand to some degree how we can attain this and I talked to the Lord about that and actually asked him if he wanted me to share what I felt like he had given me that would help us as a church attain the rhythm of agreement. And the Lord told me, frankly, no. I'm not sure why, I have an idea, but I know that there are other churches that have attained it and they're experiencing incredible revival and an incredible move of God, and I'm hungry for that. I am so hungry for that. I think conjecture, perhaps within our natural minds and thinking, may apply this solely to corporate worship. Or to corporate prayer, and you may be thinking that's all I'm referring to—that when we're having church, we're in a prayer meeting, or any kind of a gathering. But it applies to other functions of the kingdom as well. There are at least three different venues or different dimensions of operation within the body of Christ. Each of these are essential, vital to the effective effectiveness of the church into fulfilling the purpose of God for the church in the world. These three venues are worship, warfare, and work. Three areas that we must succeed in is worship, prayer is in that as well, warfare, and in Work, worship, warfare, and work. While each of these operations are vastly dissimilar in function and in purpose, in order to be proficient as a spiritual body, they must operate in a state of unequivocal agreement. It cannot be achieved when just when two or more terrestrial bodies are in agreement. They must be in agreement with God. This occurs, agreement occurs in secular endeavors. Uh, That's why Home Depot is a multi-billion dollar corporation. Apple, uh, IBM, Microsoft, and, and on and on it goes. And so this agreement occurs, not the divine rhythm of agreement, but agreement occurs Uh, in organizations, corporations, businesses, team sports, and they all achieve this without divine assistance, but that's not what we're striving for. We're not striving to just grow numerically or to have more people or more money or have bigger buildings or more status or a bigger footprint in the district. That's not our goal at all. Our desire is to see people delivered and healed and saved and brought out of darkness and set free from addictions, and that is really our purpose for existing. And so while it's difficult enough, and I think about it, and musicians, you can join me on the platform. Um, While it's difficult and challenging enough in a worship setting, Think of how challenging it is in warfare and in work. It's not unlike an orchestra comprised of many different instruments and musicians, and I should not even be talking about this because I do not play an instrument. But I'm going to talk about it anyway. I sang in the church, or the, uh, not church, choir, the high school choir for three years, only because they let me. <laughs> I know you had to try out, but I think Mr. Byers, our choir director, kind of let anybody in if they wanted to be in. But they made me feel like I was chosen, so that was good for my ego, I guess. Uh, if I'm wrong, correct me, but in an orchestra, there are basically three kinds of instruments. They're wind instruments, stringed instruments, and percussion instruments. Did I miss anything? Okay. Vocalists, of course, but I'm talking about playing an instrument. The musical score or the arrangement, I presume, is chosen by the orchestra leader. Uh, in, in school, the musical scores, the band played, and the, the marching band was chosen by the music director. Somebody, not the musicians, they would have played a Beatles song, you know, so they didn't get to choose the musical score. That was chosen by the music director or the conductor. Copies of this musical score were handed out to each musician, and it was their responsibility to go practice this musical score and to learn it on their instrument, their part in the score, so that they could they could play it perfectly. That was their job, to practice that. I remember... Uh, I delivered food to schools years, some years later and I went to my high school, made a delivery and I was standing there waiting at the desk at the warehouse and I noticed there was a tablet of things on the counter and it had a picture of a girl and it was a girl that I went to high school with. Her name was Nancy Bracken. It's funny I remember her name to this day. And the reason it was important to me, it caught me because I walked by the music room one day and I heard this girl on a violin or one of those instruments, and she was reading the music now, reading the music. Going, and I stopped in awe. I was in awe of this girl. She could play that much less, read it and play it from. Well, on the, on the pad, it was information about how she had went on to play in the, the Boston uh, Symphony Orchestra, which didn't surprise me at all because she was that good when she was 16 years old. But they had to learn this. Now, it wasn't enough just to learn their part and to, to play it perfectly, but uh, uh, they had to play it together. Now playing it in a room by yourself is one thing. Playing it in sync and and, and with other, let's say, a hundred other musicians, at the same time is a completely different story. Now, also, what came to me is that in an orchestra there are there are a myriad of personalities and a spectrum of of human human different. Uh, uh, ideologies, or so forth, and yet when they come together to play their instruments, none of that comes into play. You know, in this room, there are Ford guys, Chevy guys, and Dodge guys, but we can worship in the same room. Right? There's some people in here that actually root for the Ohio Bucks. Buc- what are they, Buckeyes. <laughs> Who can figure, right? God loves everybody. My point is, it, the orchestra really typifies us. We all, we all play a role. We all have a role to play. Now, uh, what I hope for is that, that you will practice that role in the spirit every day so that when you walk in here in church, you're not trying to figure out what you're supposed to do. You have already got that down. You're just going to come in here and flow with the orchestra in the spirit. Would you stand with me? It wasn't uh, wasn't the privilege of any of the mu- musicians to deviate from the score that was handed them. If you recall, some of you that were here, I mentioned that uh, if you... Let's just use our worship team tonight. They won't mind. If one of them... Hit a sour note. Let's say Sister Pearl did it. It was Sister Pearl. Sister Ashley doesn't worry, worry about notes. Sister Pearl hit a sour note. You, She might have. I don't know. But none of you noticed, right? But if Ashley gets off beat, everything is messed up. That's right. It's on you. <laughs> if... if if you miss a note singing, you can pick up and keep on going. But if you get off beat, everything's a mess from then on. It, you you can't recover from that. See, that's what I'm talking about. Sometimes you know what I'm ta- you know I'm saying truth. Sometimes we're trying to catch up with the Holy Ghost. We're trying to we're trying to find that we got off cadence somewhere, and we're trying to find that get back in the proper tempo with the Holy Ghost. And sometimes we don't do it. Sometimes we don't. We don't get there, but that's our desire, right? Amen. To constantly be in cadence with the Holy Ghost. So it's not about you blending to me or me blending to you. We have a master conductor, and it's up to us to follow that conductor. It's more important that the worship team and the worship leader can follow that conductor, but then we have to, we have to follow as well. And that's what, that's what the rhythm of agreement is all about. Every service, hear me when I tell you, every service, there is a divine cadence for that service. A divine cadence for that service. And I tell preachers that that before you come to the pulpit during worship, you need to be feeling out the spirit of God and determine what that cadence is because that's the cadence that you're going to speak with. Because if you get ahead of the Holy Ghost or you get behind the Holy Ghost, You're going to do what Brother Kilgore said he did once in a while. You're going to preach a watermelon. You have to be in cadence with the Spirit of God. Follow the leading of our worship team. That's the best we can do. Lord bless you tonight. Let's worship before we leave. Thank you, Jesus. We love you, Lord. Come on, let's do it together. Let's do it together. Let's everyone do it together. Thank you, Lord. My God is awesome. Jesus. I honestly have never thought of this before now, but I feel like we need to come together in a prayer meeting for the specific purpose of spiritual warfare. Spiritual warfare. Come together and war, come together and reclaim. Come together and take authority. Come together and take dominion. Just like the army of Zion, we need to put on the armor of God. We need to come into the sanctuary, and we need to war against the principalities and powers of our city that are holding people in darkness, bound by addiction, bound by false doctrine, and by unbelief. That's what I feel in the Holy Ghost, and you can It's gonna happen, right? We're gonna do it. We're gonna come together and we're gonna claim some things and bind some things and loose some things and believe that God is gonna honor what we do. In Jesus' name, next uh, month when we do Saturday night prayer, we're gonna do war prayer, warfare prayer. We're gonna war in the spirit. We're gonna take a hold of some things. You're gonna get victory over some things. You're going to get loose from some things in Jesus' name. I feel it in the Holy Ghost. God bless you in Jesus' name.